Start spreading the news, folks. Welcome back to Puck Talk with Spider Jack, a.k.a. Jack Woods. I am thus with me today is Boyd Farish, longtime comeback guy for Puck Talk. Boyd, how you doing today? And I'm doing all right. It's a Monday, new week, new opportunities. Uh, hopefully the uh, Nashville Predators will view it that way, too. Yeah, back to the grind. Back to the grind, indeed. Um We've been meaning to set this up for quite some time. I apologize for taking forever. Um, <laughs> college life is getting in the way, but let's uh, let's get right off the bat. Nashville Predators, two, three, and zero. Oh, won the first two against Columbus. Dropped one against Carolina. The fourth game was postponed due to a. COVID-19 concern, and then they drop the last two in Dallas, surrendering eight power play goals in two games. Um, Boyd, to be frank, I don't know where I stand with this team. Um, Go ahead. Take it from there. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, You know, this team... You know, they, they really didn't look that great in the two wins versus Columbus. Um, you know, I think the, the major takeaway there would have been, you know, they made timely plays when they needed to make them and, you know, really didn't, didn't give up those backbreakers, um, you know, to a team that they, they probably should be beating anyway. Um, the Carolina game and the first Dallas game, at least at even strength, notwithstanding, or, you know, at even strength, were their two best performances of the season. They were uh, actually controlling play a lot better, um, you know, kind of across the board, the uh, possession numbers, expected goal numbers went up um, more in their favor. Um, but, you know, then then we get to special teams and uh, boy, it turns dark pretty quickly, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, analytics be damned, they, they've lost three in a row. Let's, yep. let's, let's, let's be, let's, let's call a spade a spade. I mean, you know, as much as I like to say that the goals will come, um, you know, well, let's show, show me that, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, the lack yeah. of finish continues to be a problem with everybody not named Philip Forsberg. Oh, without a doubt. And, and we'll get to that. But I mean, Boyd from, your standpoint watching this team through five games what do you see in terms of the problems being um involving the nashville predators power play specifically because from what i can see it's kind of the same predictable movements that get it down one end pass it back to the point try to get it pass over do the umbrella thing but it's just very predictable in my opinion yeah, the, the, the first and biggest problem, and this has been a problem for years, is they can't get in the zone cleanly and get set up. I mean, the amount of times in a two-minute power play that they end up having to dump the puck in is just, I mean, it's, it's astounding that changing coaches, changing players doesn't seem to change the fact that a clean zone entry on the power play just is a massive struggle. Um, and then even once they do get in, it's, you know, as, as things have gotten tough, they're reverting back to, you know, two or three years ago, Nashville predators, which is, 
pass the fuck around the outside and go bombs away from deep. You know, I, I, I like that they've moved Arvidsson into a one-timer spot. I think that's probably a better use of his skills than getting mashed in front of the net, even though he is productive there. Um, you know, the fact that in some of those third period power plays last night, when the Predators really needed a goal, it was move it to the outside, move it to a one-timer for Arvidsson, move it around the outside, move it to a one-timer for Arvidsson. And there's just, there's no unpredictability there where you look at one of the goals that um, the Stars scored. I, I think it was their first one. Great high to low play down below the goal line, quick pass back out across the crease to a wide open slot shooter. Now, granted, massive breakdown on the Predator side, but that's the type of unpredictability that creates openings. And, you know, they're still just trying to shoot the puck through a brick wall. And it's just not an effective way to approach the power play. Yeah, and they continually seem to tie themselves up along the boards, especially in front of the blue line, having to, like you said, dump the puck in. And I really don't like the fact that they're dumping the puck in a minute left in the third period, pulling the goaltender still down by one. Why are you dumping the puck in in that particular scenario? I don't get it. That's not exactly a hunt and chase type of scenario. That's more of a let's find a clean path, set up a set up the zone and and have a a hybrid power play if you will. I don't I don't quite know what this team is wanting to accomplish. Because it just seems to me that they traded playmakers like Benino and Turris and Hartman and guys that maybe were a little bit out of the system. They may be guys that could more fit the part, quick, fast forwards that can lay the body a little bit and, and guys that can really just follow orders and follow a system instead of trying to be creative with the puck. I mean, I, I think that's maybe even part of the problem is the opposite. I mean, at that point in the game, you know, down a goal, you know, you want Forsberg or Yossi or Johansson or Duchesne, the guys that can really get out there and make something happen to, they should have the puck on their stick to go make something happen. And instead, you know, that's the, the way that that system unfolds is if the clean entry isn't there, you dump it in. And as you said, that, that's great in the second period. It's great in the first period when you're you know, trying to establish a tempo and establish a presence in the game. But at the end of the game like that, I mean, you look at a team like, you know, say the Blackhawks, for example, at that same point in the game, that puck is on Patrick Kane's stick. Period, end of story. And he is going to go make a play. Um, you know, same thing in Washington. You're, you're going to give it to Ovechkin. You know, that that puck at that point needs to be on the stick of Forsberg or Yossi, the guys that can go make a play and they have to understand that, you know, they have to go do that. Um, you know, we we saw that in the first couple of games from uh, uh, Philip Forsberg, for sure, you know, where he took a couple of different plays, basically end to end on the ice and went and scored a goal. And you know, while those may have been, you know, a, a, a two on one scenario instead of a six on five, you know, you, you still have to 
use that situation to get your best players the puck. And right now, the Predators just aren't doing that in in large part. Well, and and, and we, we talk about David Poyle getting players to 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 reinstate the predator way, right? And you know, disregard the youth movement. Forget that. That's not happening. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, I, I forget it. You're not going to see Tolvanen, uh, Thomasino, at least for a little bit. You know, you're not going to see Trennan or Olivier in the light of full time. Um, and David Poyle made sure of that because uh, he's going to go out and 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 he made uh, he made moves to get players that can fit a role and that role reinstates, you know, predator way. And, you know, I don't know the old predator way. They, they would always finish fourth, fifth in the division, maybe fighting for that second or first spot in in the wild card. They were never the leaders in their division. They were never the top dogs and, um, you know, it, it, they seem to be influxes of predator success throughout the years. And I'm just wondering if reverting back to an old system, instead of maybe setting aside the, the, the pride of the past and letting new players come in and take control of the mantle. I don't know if that's the way to go. Uh, considering what we've seen out of the last five games. Yeah. I mean, I think on the, the concept of the predator way is kind of a more of a work ethic concept than a, than a system I, I would say. Um, and, you know, I, I think they, they did go out and try to round out the roster with players that sort of fit that Joel Ward kind of mold from, from, a few years ago who can, you know, be rough and bang, but still have some offensive capability. I mean, you, you look at guys like, you know, Howla or, uh, you know, cousins, even, even Luke Conan to example, you know, they're a little bit more, a little bit more rough and tumble players. They do have some offensive capability. Um, but I think at, at the end of the day, though, the, the biggest thing is your best players have to be your best players. Those are all, you know, primarily third and fourth line guys they can't carry the team. It has to be Yossi and Ellis, which granted the last few years, they have certainly done their part. I you know, can't have any complaints about them. Um, but, you know, even more so than that, it's on Forsberg, Johansson, Arvidsson, Matt Duchesne, Michael Granlund, you know, and whoever ends up being kind of the full time in that other second line wing those guys have to perform game in game out. And, you know, regardless of, of system or style or the rest of the roster, like if, if those guys aren't putting up top six numbers, you know, you're counting on UC Soros just bailing you out constantly, which is not, you know, not what this team is built to do, honestly. Um, you know, there are some early positives, you know, Victor Arvidsson right now is performing at a point per game. I, I was actually surprised by that, but yeah, he's, uh, you know, five points in five games. Forsberg has four goals in five games. So, you know, certainly some, some positives there, but 
you know, not a whole lot after that. And then, you know, once you take out, you know, kind of that high level of production from your top units, you know, then you add in something like a disaster of special teams, it, it just compounds and it just gets so hard to win. And I think that was one of the things that I've noticed the last couple of years is you, you look at some of the goals being scored against the predators right now, and they sometimes look so easy. And then you look at some of the goals, the predators are scoring, you know, maybe some of the two on ones, notwithstanding, which certainly is a positive sign, but you, you look at last year, for example, and just, they had to work so hard to score. They just, they can't make it easy on themselves. And again, that comes back to the top of the roster. The top skill guys are the ones that, you know, create those easier opportunities. And, you know, they just at this point still aren't doing it consistently enough. Yeah. And this offense is it's built around the top two lines. It's built Mm -hmm. around the guys that you mentioned. It's built around those guys scoring. And if those guys aren't scoring, which let's be honest, Matt Duchesne hasn't scored a whole lot. Uh, Ryan Johansson certainly hasn't scored um, as notably as I would hope he would have. Um, I'm not surprised by Victor Arvidsson. I'm not surprised by Philip Forsberg, obviously, because Philip Forsberg is the man. Absolutely the man. And, you know, Victor Arvidsson is no longer the guy that's going to crash into the crease and try to, you know, topple over guys. I think he's had enough (laughs) sticks in the back from Bortuzzo and and Perry and all that. I think he's had enough with getting beat around that he's moving out towards Ovechkin area. And I'm fine with that because as long as he's passing the puck and at least making opportunities available for, for Forsberg, I'm okay with that. But Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. I expected this team to be running fourth, fifth or in the division. Uh, this team is not supposed to be playoff competitive. Um, and, and I think that they're showing why, uh, you do have guys like Philip Forsberg who appear like the big fish in a pond. Um, and then you got guys like, um, you got guys like Brad Richardson who have been a phenomenal plug at five on five, but it seems that penalty kill woes are amounting at a rate that they can't quite stop. And I don't know why the predators continually have special team issues year in and year out. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's sort of the same thing. I mean, they've, overhauled the coaching staff. Um, you know, the only remaining coach is, uh, from last season, other than, you know, the, the partial of John Hines is Dan Lambert and he's not a penalty kill coach. They've swapped out a number of the players. Um, and I think you're, you're seeing some of the same issues. I mean, you look at the first game against Dallas, I think four of the five power play goals, maybe all five were on tips and deflections which means, you know, again, you're not clearing the net. You're, you know, you're, you're not clearing the net or making the shooter, you know, push the puck somewhere else. 
Um, so, you know, it, it watching, especially that game last night and watching the penalty kill more closely um, and, and really seeing it's, it's, they're either too passive and they sit back and the puck gets moved around and moved around and moved around and they're not pushing people out of the way or really pressuring the play or they get way over aggressive like the first one and you had both forwards chase the puck out to the blue line corner and both defensemen on the same side of the ice and as a result I think it was uh, Gurianov was just all by himself and UC Saros had no chance whatsoever Mm -hmm. so there's I would say maybe a structural consistency that has to be ironed out um you know, some of that probably attributable to new faces, but they, they better work it out quickly because, you know, giving up eight power play goals in two games is absolutely staggering. Well, I mean, it's, 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 it's high school hockey numbers. It's like good freaking God, stop the puck. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. Like, you know, push him back at the blue line, do something else, do, do something different. It's the same look over and over again. And I get the mantra. Yeah. You want to outwork the competition, but don't outwork yourselves. Don't tire yourselves out in the first and second period, chasing down stupid penalties because you know, you're whacking at players being hyper aggressive at five on five for no reason whatsoever. It's like, feel, feel the game out a little bit, but I don't get it. Um, Something that I do get, I get that UC Soros is ready to be the Predators' number one goaltender full time. I am, I'm fully convinced from what I've seen, from what he's uh, played with. Um, you know, same kind of woes that Pecorine had early in his career. Just in, just a really uh, an aggressive defense, an offense built around a defense, and sometimes leaving goaltenders out to make spectacular saves. And I think that UC Soros is definitely Pecorine incarnate in that regard. I mean, he's, he's certainly got the ability to do some, I mean, really incredible saves with how quick he is and how well he anticipates and tracks puck movement. Um, You know, the, the problem is still, I mean, I think the defense in front of him overall has gotten better than what it was the last couple seasons where the defensive disparity between Rene and Saros was marked. I mean, it was, it was noticeably different. Um, so it's, it's certainly improved in how they play in front of him. Um, you know, I think one of the, one of the major talking points right now is, you know, it's, it's the same problems that have plagued the last couple of years in that the Predators have a hard time finishing with the exception of Forsberg. Um, you know, the, the game against Carolina, I mean, they had multiple great opportunities and just couldn't put one away. Um, the game last night, I think Arvidsson had an almost wide open net for a game tying goal and fired it wide. And you know, they're, they're just not finishing. And then every time the predators make a mistake, it ends up in the back of the net. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, it, there's, there's a certain element of, 
you know, first off, the mistakes have to be cleaned up. So you're not just giving up these three on one, two on one opportunities. Um, and you know, certainly the penalties um, have got to stop because they're just, they're getting raped over the coals when they go on the penalty kill. Um, but they've, they've got to figure out how to finish. And I don't, I, the sample size is small enough that at this point, I don't know if it's entirely trying to get too cute offensively and make the perfect play. And then you end up getting no play. Um, but then also you see just long shot after long shot sometimes too. And, you know, there's, there's some of that trying to get to the dangerous areas that just isn't quite happening the way it should. And, and I think a lot of it is, you know, regression when under pressure. Um, well, I mean, just shoot the damn puck. Just shoot the damn, like you're, you're taking what, like seven shots in, in 40 minutes. Shoot. Oh, that was pitiful. That shoot was pitiful. The, shoot the damn puck. Because once you shoot the puck, then a goaltender makes a save and then you follow the puck somewhere else and then you take another shot. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's just oversimplified for me. Maybe it's, you know, maybe that's why I'm not an NHL player. Maybe that's why I host the <laughs> podcast. But you know what? It's, oh my God, seven shots in 40 minutes objectively is terrible. It's terrible. I don't care yeah. if you're on the penalty kill. I don't care for, for like, 40 minutes. I don't care if you're on the penalty kill for like 40 for like 14 minutes. I don't care. Put a puck on the net. You know, quit making UC Soros earn his earn his wage. <laughs> well, and you know, sort of the perfect example of that last night was the goal by Granland. Arvidson worked for it on the boards, just threw it onto the net. Granland got to the right spot and made a play. And that's, that's what you have to do to score because most of the guys on this team aren't going to be out here, you know, blowing open shots by goalies, not that the predators are getting that many open shots anyway. So, you know, when it gets into these games, they're, you know, and, and they're not getting the shots, they're not getting the opportunities or the opportunities aren't going in. They end up trying to make, you know, again, they, they go back to the one of two opposites. They either try to make the perfect play because, oh gosh, the, the shots aren't going in. We got to get that perfect tap in to make sure absolutely that we score. Or it's, we need to put every puck on net and they just start throwing it from distance, which mm-hmm. just, you know, really doesn't work that well either. So the the offense, I think, from, from my perspective, needs to be able, just maybe a little more purposeful and they need to... You know, and then on the power play, they have to move the puck more quickly. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, pass it to Yossi. He skates a little bit and moves it to Arvidsson. Arvidsson holds it, moves it back to Yossi. Yossi moves it to Forsberg. Thankfully, Forsberg typically wheels and, and it kind of goes for that snapshot off of the, off of the right side, but it's, it's not moving the puck quickly enough to create those cleaner opportunities. And, you know, and then, you know, they've, all but abandoned trying to go low to high into the slot, um, which is, you know, sort of what the whole purpose was when they moved into John Hines' system last year was really emphasize that kind of low slot to high slot area 
where you can get those, you know, much better opportunities. And we, we just haven't seen a whole lot of it so far this year. Well, and, and I, yeah. And I don't know if they'll go back to that look because they can't seem to get the puck down low anyways. They just seem to be comfortable moving it around the high slot and around the circle area. So, you know, it, it, it doesn't seem like they want to utilize Matt Duchesne down low and try to get that Arvidsson one-timer look uh, near the face-off circle, but kind of transitioning gears a little bit. How about Kyle Turris scoring a goal <laughs> for the Edmonton Oilers with an assist from, guess who, James Neal. And, oh, and, and every, and every Preds fan cried immediately. Um, yep. Kevin Fiala also scored last night. Saw that. Mm-hmm. That one hurt. <laughs> Pretty sure well, Craig Smith scored as well. Craig Smith scored recently as well. Um, I haven't, I haven't looked too, too closely on how, how Smith is doing so far this year. I know he missed, I think the first game, but to be fair on Turris, he has been objectively terrible in their first five games. Oh no, he's, so. been, he's been pretty bad from what I've, from what I've heard. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm honestly, I, I put it this way. I'm, I'm happy for him that, that he got a goal and, and, you know, hopefully things are kind of working out into a better spot than, than how they worked out in Nashville. But I'm, I'm not, I'm not looking at, at Kyle Turris scoring one goal in whatever, six games and crying a lot of tears over it. No, I'm just, um, no, I'm just being really yeah. inflammatory. <laughs> I, I just, I, I just like to be that way for some. But uh, I know you do. But uh, no, I mean it's 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 uh, it's weird seeing guys being successful elsewhere, uh, guys getting rewarded for hard work elsewhere. Um, and you know, one thing I was really looking forward to was not facing the Winnipeg Jets this year, simply because I didn't want to have to see. Uh, Patrick Lane anymore and then the stupid fucking trade happened between Pierre-Luc Dubois and Patrick Lane and now the Predators have to face Lane again sometime later this season Boyd what is your thoughts on the trade between um between Dubois and Lane well I mean it's it's certainly a case of you know two guys who were in kind of the similar situation that, you know, they kind of both wanted out. Um, you know, I, I think Dubois is a good, is a good player. He's got a lot of capability. He's, you know, he's big, he's, he's got a good shot. You know, we haven't seen him really over a longer period of time ascend to the kind of player that maybe he can be. Um, you know, we, we know what line a is. He has, one absolutely elite capability and that is to shoot the puck into the back of the net and you know i'm i'm sort of of the standpoint that when you can find a player that is uniquely great at one thing you know you you want to if you have an opportunity to get that player you get that player and so i I think it's great for columbus to get line a we'll we'll see if they can hold on to him same for dubois and winnipeg honestly um you know, I think for, for, for Liney and Columbus, they have a, they have an interesting problem. They have a lot of good options at wing, but a lot of question marks at center. Um, yeah. 
but they do, I mean, the guys they have playing center or, or will be playing center for them, um, you know, uh, 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 Texier, Roslovic, even, even Domi to a bit of a lesser extent, they're all still pretty young. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're, they're going to have an opportunity to sort of cement their, their place in that lineup. Um, Winnipeg, their, their center core is scary now. Um, Shifley, Dubois, and Stasny this year certainly is, whew, I can't get a whole lot better than that. Um, and then also recognizing they just drafted Cole Perfetti, who projects pretty highly as well, um, that you know even if Stasny sticks around for a couple of years, could probably play, play a bit of wing. Um, but you know, that, that really sets them up to be very, very good down the middle for years to come. Um, again, assuming they can hold on to Dubois who, you know, made it pretty well known. He wanted to be, you know, put into a larger, more, more visible market. So he gets sent to Winnipeg. Um, (laughs) I, I do love that. I love that. You get, you, he basically got sent to the Columbus of Canada. Pretty much. I mean, um, you know, the only thing there is, you know, his, I believe his, his dad works in the Jets organization. So, you know, maybe that makes him a little more willing to stay, but you know, they're, they better start, they better start working on that, on that contract extension as soon as they can get to it. Cause I don't think you want him getting to the open market. I mean, is, are there like any mountains in Winnipeg, like near it? Like maybe, a <laughs> maybe a, a nice well, little, does he have like a nice little beach house that he can go to there? <laughs> nothing, nothing says like the beaches in Manitoba. Um. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I would rather get paid like $5 million and go play for the Islanders under Barry Trotz and get to live on a Manhattan beach house for the next three years than live in winnipeg for like the next three years under a under how much ever they pay me i mean i would much rather be in a place like new york city than winnipeg yeah and you know the fact that it's you know not the most engaging of of places to live and uh you still face the same drain of of canadian tax as some of the bigger bigger canadian cities so it'll, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I mean, it is, you know, a, a team that actually probably has a pretty good future. They've, they've got some young talent that they've acquired over the last few years. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that ends up being attracting to uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, um, you know, or, you know, he just rides it out for a couple of years, hits the open market and gets paid a whole bunch of money to, go somewhere that he's more interested in being, um, you know, kind of the, kind of the same thing for line a, um, it'll, it'll just be, it'll be very interesting to see how those two players both fit into the new environments, especially line a and Tortorella has, has the potential to be very special. Um, but, uh, it's, it was, you know, it's, it's fun to see, you know, those kind of big trades happen, you know, those, they spark a lot of conversation. They, they, they make the league more interesting, um, both from a, a fan and a, you know, quasi quasi media perspective. <laughs> um, 
so it's you know it's 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 the type of move that you know as you know someone who writes about the predators and also you know has a long history of being a fan of the predators you kind of want to see them make too is you know to find that that elite level player and bring them into the fold um but yeah it was i think the right move for both organizations um given where they were with those players i think it remains to be seen if it's the right move for those players yeah i think it'll benefit Lane more just because I think that the the central division may have an have an easier goaltender matchup for a guy of his capabilities rather than facing guys like uh Carey Price who still has uh who, who still has a few tricks up his mm-hmm. sleeve and you know facing that guy eight times a year but you know I think um I think like you said Dubois is a he's a guy that definitely needed to get out of Columbus because playing only three, three minutes and 55 seconds. And you're supposedly a second liner. I get the hell out of my town, you know, <laughs> like, and I don't know. I, I don't know why Tort seems to be the guy that turns off young, vibrant talent that seems to carry some individual weight instead of a, an individual effort. I don't know why towards seems to have this like irrepressible ego when it comes to that but i don't i you know that's it's beyond me yeah i mean he's he's got a you know old school hockey guy mentality and you know he wants players that are going to play you know rougher and more physical and stick to the system and uh you know the the players that you know, and, and he's, you know, got very heavy handed, um, very oddly candid in the media, even when he's not saying anything, which is almost impressive. Um, but, you know, that that works for some players. I mean, there have been plenty of players that said they loved playing for Tortorella. And, you know, but you also see it where, you know, some players just, they, they don't gravitate towards that. And, you know, they, they want a different environment and a different style of leadership. Um, so it's, it's, it's one of those things where line A with Tortorella maybe, you know, may turn out really well, but I think we all sort of believe the higher likelihood is it uh, we get a different kind of fireworks. <laughs> yeah. And I agree with you there because, you know, Lion A is a personality and, and, and Winnipeg has definitely made that clear. And, mm-hmm. uh, it, there will definitely be some, some fun things going on. And boy, one last thing I just wanted to, uh, to talk about with you here. Um, I have no idea how the predators are going to fix the penalty kill. I have no idea because, um, I, Everything aside, you know, regardless of where they're projected to play, regardless of where they're projected to be in the standings, letting in more goals than periods played over course of two games <laughs> is probably not a recipe for success. Yeah, not not super hot takey there. Um, I I don't know if that's a hot take. I don't know if that's no. going to get me in trouble. <laughs> You know, 
for some reason, me saying that good puck possession and and will get me in trouble with one of the members of the media. Sorry, Justin. What do you got to say about the PowerPoint now? You know, I mean, I, I, I look at it, you know, and, and I'll sort of voice my own preference around penalty kill strategy. But I mean, I think first and foremost, they need to pick a strategy, either be aggressive or don't, but you got, but if you're not going to be aggressive out to the puck carrier, you have got to clear the net. And right now they're sort of not really doing either. Um, my, my personal preference is a more aggressive penalty kill. Um, you know, it's something that every once in a while you will get burned on it. Um, but I'm, I'm from a, just a stylistic perspective. I prefer trying to force the action more than waiting for it to come to you. Um, and I, you know, just watching some of the predators penalty kills where, you know, teams just skate circles around them and then eventually move in for that, you know, clean, clean look. Um, you know, it also ends up with your penalty kill, penalty kill units getting trapped on the ice for a long time. So, um, I, my, my personal preference is more aggressive. Um, I think early in Laviolette's tenure, we actually saw that be pretty successful. Um, you know, in, in years where I think Arvidsson was maybe tied for the league lead in shorthanded goals, um, you know, they got, they were aggressive at the blue line. They were aggressive out to the puck, you know, force the other team to make a play. Don't just stand around and wait for them to make a play. Um, so, you know, I, I'm sure there are people who understand hockey strategy that might tell me that I'm way off base, but yeah. Um, you know, just from the, the, the years that I've spent in organized athletics in at varying levels, um, you know, that's, sort of a general philosophy. I'd rather be more aggressive than less. Um, but, you know, that requires, you know, the, the players really, really have to execute, especially on the backside of the play, if you're going to be aggressive out to the puck. And um, that, that first goal given up last night, again, the, the whole unit got stuck on one side of the ice and Dallas is too good. They, they have good players who can make that play to clear that pass. And, you know, it was basically a tap in. So, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd rather see the more, more aggressive approach, but it does require the execution that they've really struggled with as well. So remains to be seen, you know, kind of what the new coaching staff is able to do with that. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a, it's a pretty long uphill climb right now. Um, and they're going to have to get better in that realm pretty quickly, or this season's going to get away in a hurry. Yeah. Yep. And boy, I think that's going to do it for this, uh, for this one for puck talk, but thank you so much for coming back on, man. Always a pleasure, Jack. Look forward to it. All righty, folks. We'll be back next time with more puck talk. Please tune in for Gene Ash playoff hockey's on ability box radios, Facebook tonight at 5 p.m. and I believe 6.30 and also 7.30 p.m. Be sure to tune in for all G-Nash hockey and be on the lookout for more puck talk. And Boyd will be back. So have a good night, everybody. Thanks a lot. Have a good one.